the reeling Florida Gators head to Columbia tomorrow. Do the Tigers have what it takes to pull the upset? My official pick at the end of the first segment. Plus, the Missouri basketball team survived a very, very ugly game last night. But you know what? There were some positives, believe it or not, including covering the spread. So you know what? All this and more coming up right now on Locked on Mizzou. You are Locked on Mizzou, your daily podcast on the Missouri Tigers. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, all you true sons and daughters, I'm John Miller, your Mizzou mafioso and the central scrutinizer of Missouri Tigers football and basketball. And thank you for making Locked on Mizzou your first lesson. We are free and available on all platforms, including YouTube. And you know what? If you happen to have a Mizzou fan in your life who is Hearing impaired, perhaps? Well, YouTube is a great option because all of the Locked on Mizzou episodes have auto-generated closed captioning over there on YouTube. Just click the CC on the bottom of any video. How cool is that? So just another option for all of you out there. And by the way, this episode of Locked on Mizzou is brought to you by McDonald's, proudly serving communities. Since 1965, McDonald's has always been more than just a place to get tasty, affordable food. It's an unofficial community center. A big thank you to our friends at McDonald's for always being there. I'm loving it. And shortly after yesterday's program, Gabe DeArmond of PowerMizzou.com put out a report that basically confirmed my suspicions yesterday that Connor Bazelak, barring something unforeseen today or leading into the game, is almost certainly going to be your starting quarterback on Saturday for the Tigers. Also, the official injury report is out. Basilak listed as probable. So I think almost certainly he's going to start. I think that's what all of this tells you. And whether you like that decision or not, I think Missouri has a really, really good chance to win tomorrow. Not only because they're playing better football, but obviously because Florida is reeling, especially defensively. And Dan Mullen's seat is about as hot as anybody's in the country all of a sudden. People were thinking he was coach of the year, possibly last season, possibly NFL bound at one point. Well, now you've got a guy who, in my opinion, I I still think Dan Mullen is a fine offensive mind as a football coach, but unfortunately it's the rest of the stuff that he seems to struggle with, like say recruiting and defense, and I'll just put it kindly and say media relations. Yes, Mullen hasn't exactly won himself a lot of friends in the media, no doubt about that. So if anybody is desperate to win a football game at this point, well, it's got to be Dan Mullen, without question. He does not want to lose this job. But will his players be as desperate as he is? Are they going to care about playing in the Blue Bonnet Bowl at the end of the season, as I've said sarcastically throughout this season? Well, if you're Dan Mullen, you'd probably be smart to bring up the brawl once again last year because, frankly, the guy who started it, at least the hit that started it, Trey John Jeffcoat, still on the roster. A late hit into the first half on Kyle Trask. I don't know. May have been a little bit late. I don't think it was worth starting a brawl over or anything like that. But, hey, 
If you want to try to actually motivate the Gators, and frankly, the Gators could use a little bit of motivation based on how I've seen them play the last few weeks, well, probably a good thing to bring up. I'd definitely be showing that play in the media relations room, no doubt about that. So perhaps the Gators will be fired up for this game, which means it's really important for the Tigers to get off to a good start because if they play as good a defense as they did last week and just really frankly if Connor Basilak takes care of the football, I think the Tigers have a great chance to win here. It just seems like the Tigers are trending in a somewhat positive direction right now, especially defensively compared to where they were a month or so ago. Whereas Florida, it's the exact opposite. So to me, despite the fact that over at betonline.ag, the Tigers are still underdogs by more than a touchdown, for whatever reason, I think they have it wrong in this particular case. Listen, it's hard to bet against the spread. I get it. But in this particular case, I actually think my friends at betonline.ag have the line wrong. And I think the Tigers are going to win this game tomorrow actually fairly easily believe it or not so give me Missouri 42 to 24 for the final that's your prediction right here on Locked on Mizzou by the way sort of like last year's senior day we now have to do a bit of a guessing game on who's going to actually go through the senior day ceremonies and well who's going to come back for next season And right now, if you base it on the senior day graphics that have been put out on social media by the Tiger football team, well, it looks like there's a few seniors who could be coming back. Sean Ketting, notably Missouri's excellent kickoff specialist, not there. Also, Hyron White and Zeke Powell, a couple offensive linemen, and probably the most notable guy of all, a Caleb Evans, not included right now on the senior day graphic. That one's a big surprise to me, quite honestly, because, well, obviously, a Caleb only been here for one season. I figured if he had a good year, he might be off to try his hand at the next level. But you know what? He's definitely had a really nice season, and if he's going to come back next season for the Tigers, wow, that's a really big coup for the 2021 squad and one that I wasn't expecting whatsoever. And speaking of coups, well, Missouri's 54-37 men's basketball victory over Northern Illinois last night can't exactly be called a coup, but, well, a win's a win, by golly. Even if you had to distract the referee and have your manager hit your opponent with a steel folding chair, you know what? A win is indeed a win. But as ugly as that win was, believe it or not, there were some positives in that basketball game. So I want to talk about that. But first, I want to tell you about our title sponsor, which is, of course, McDonald's. And yes, this episode is brought to you by McDonald's, proudly serving communities since 1965. And Mickey D's has always been more than just a place to get tasty, affordable food. It's a place where friends and family can come to reconnect, a place where classmates can meet up for a study group, knowing they'll have dependable Wi-Fi and endless supplies of French fries and McFlurries. It's also a place you can always look forward to stopping at a long road trip to rest your legs and refuel. So head to your local McDonald's to refuel and reconnect. 
Did somebody say locked on Mizzou watch party? McDonald's. I'm loving it. Defensively last night for the Missouri basketball team, it really felt like Conzo Martin changed things up a little bit. There was a lot less of just the automatic switching of every ball screen that we had seen from the first two games. And for whatever reason, it definitely worked against Northern Illinois. I got to give the Tigers a lot of credit. I thought they played very hard defensively and played really good defense for the most part. But unfortunately, we had the other side of the basketball as well. And I kept trying to lock in and analyze what was happening on the offensive court for Missouri, but quite quite honestly, it's difficult to analyze crap. It really is. At a certain point, crap is crap, right? I guess technically some crap is different than other crap, but ultimately crap is crap. And that was a crap analogy. But the point is, this team has absolutely no idea right now what it wants to be offensively. I mean, honestly, you tell me what Missouri was trying to accomplish yesterday on the offensive end of the court, and you'll have a better idea than I do, because I have none whatsoever. And I'd like to think I know a thing or two about basketball. I'm also not convinced at this point that the answer for Missouri is more of Kobe Brown being the lead ball handler. Now, don't get me wrong. I thought Kobe played a really nice game yesterday, and it was good to see him be really productive for the first time by not actually getting into foul trouble for the first time. So we expect and kind of need Kobe Brown to take a leap with his play this season. So that was definitely a positive sign. And he made some nice dump down passes to an often wide open Jordan Wilmore for about four dunks for Wilmore anyway. I know Wilmore dunked the ball four times. I don't know if they were all from, from uh, uh, excuse me, Kobe Brown, that's for sure. And, and by the way, good for Jordan Wilmore. I've certainly been a, a vocal critic of his on this program, but obviously good to see him be a genuinely productive player yesterday. And I think one thing that I at least figured out, if Wilmore is going to be an effective offensive player, I think we kind of saw the the roadmap yesterday. He's not going to be a post-up guy. I don't think that's going to work. I think we've seen enough from Jordan Wilmore's post-up game already. He fades away and, frankly, doesn't have much of a soft touch at this point. He hasn't shown it in the games anyway. But if you give him the ball with a if him, him facing the basket from that dunk spot, just have him catch it and then with already facing the basket, take that big seven foot three frame and and frame, excuse me, and, and throw the ball through the basket. Well, I think he can maybe pull that off. Now defensively, a much better job by Jordan overall. I thought he hustled. He's still gonna have problems against SEC opponents and high major opponents in screen and rolls. So actually I thought what Conzo Martin said post game has a lot of merit. He's saying, hey, I need to actually play some more zone defense with Jordan out there. And I think a zone, a 2-3 zone with Jordan in the middle of it, well, now all of a sudden I can actually see a world in which Jordan Wilmore could be a useful player for Missouri. I'm not saying I expect it, but hey, if you're going to put him out there, put him in the middle of a zone at seven foot three, I kind of see it. At least he won't be out on the perimeter chasing guys around, which is clearly not his strength. 
I also thought it was another nice game from Ronnie DeGray off the bench last night. He's been kind of a do-it-all player for the Tigers so far, but especially defensively and on the glass, he's been a really, really nice piece. A guy who can defend multiple positions. To me, since Kobe Brown was not in foul trouble yesterday, he ended up getting 36 minutes. I'd like to see Kobe and DeGray out there at the same time a lot more because, to me, those two guys are very malleable as players, both offensively and defensively. And if this Missouri team's going to be any good at all, I think they have to be malleable. I think they have to have interchangeable pieces on both ends of the court, but especially offensively, you're going to need guys who can dribble, pass, shoot, make make some plays off the dribble, just do anything, any kind of playmaking whatsoever, because this is not a great shooting team. This isn't a team with a tremendous amount of overall talent, if we're being perfectly honest. So they need to learn how to share the ball and just put a lot of pressure on the team. Too often yesterday, the ball was just not moving around quickly enough. Playing with pace isn't just about fast breaks and and getting a shot up as quickly as you can. No, it's about the basketball actually moving in the half court. So to me, the first couple ball games where DeGray gets about 30 minutes, he only got 21 in this game against Northern Illinois. He didn't commit a foul, so that's not the explanation. I just think, to me, DeGray should be up there with Javon Pickett and Kobe Brown for sure as guys who are absolutely going to play 30-plus minutes, and and Boogie Coleman as well, guys who should absolutely be playing 30-plus minutes unless they're in foul trouble. I think DeGray is really that valuable, and I hope Conzo Martin realizes it. And coming up, yeah, on yesterday's program, I talked about how Florida's defense is very poor at setting the edge. And that's also something that Missouri's defense has struggled with this season at times as well. Well, it occurs to me that not everybody knows what exactly what setting the edge means. That's a, one of those football terms that's just thrown around and you're just expected to know it. Well, I expect nothing. I take nothing for granted. So you know what? I'm going to explain what setting the edge means Coming up, but first, I do want to tell you about another one of our fine sponsors, and that's betonline.ag, which remains your number one spot for all the basketball and football action this season. You know what? I was reading my weekly column at The Athletic that I like to enjoy their SEC picks each and every week. Well, I was struck by something. All these experts, all six of these men who make picks, for every SEC game, well, only one of them is above 500 against the spread. One out of six. So it'd be easy to make fun of those guys and go, oh my God, what a bunch of idiots, right? But I think the real lesson there is it's just simply hard to pick games against the spread, especially when you're forced to pick each and every game as those guys are within the Southeastern Conference. So you know what? You got to be selective on your games. That's for sure. Only bet when you think you have an edge, but of course, when you do, you got to go over to betonline.ag, receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit when you use the promo code Locked On. Once again, promo code Locked On for your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit at BetOnline, where the game starts. And by Built Bar. 
And you know what? If you haven't tried Built Bar by now, you are simply missing out, my friend, because this isn't your grandmother's protein bar. No, these things are not waxy. They're not chalky. And no, you don't have to put them in a blender to make them eatable. A Built Bar is soft, covered in 100% real chocolate. And when you bite into it, my friend, you know you're eating something different. It's more of an experience and one you'll actually enjoy. In fact, you'd swear you're probably eating a candy bar. But it's even better than that because Built Bars are low-carb, low-cal, low-fat, low-sugar, and high-end protein. So, what more do you need to know? Go to Built.com, use the promo code LOCKED15, and you'll get 15% off your order. Once again, promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off. At built.com. And now it's time for another edition of Gridiron Glossary. And let's talk about setting the edge. And quite frankly, this is a really, really simple concept. So if you're aware of what setting the edge is, and this is all very elementary to you, well, I apologize. But I've just noticed this is, again, one of those things that is not widely explained, at least on your typical football broadcast. So, In order to explain what setting the edge means, I want you to visualize the outside zone run plays that Missouri has run with Tyler Beatty all season, right? We can all picture that play. It's been run many, many times, occasionally for big-time plays for 50-yard touchdowns, and occasionally, well, a tackle for loss as well. It's kind of a boom-bust play in a lot of ways. Now, if Missouri blocks that type of run play exactly how they want to. If they execute it perfectly, well, then Tyler Beatty is going to run that play outside and get outside of the tackle. Whoever that tackle is on the outside, he's going to try to run outside of that tackle box and basically then go to daylight. That's where That would be an ideal scenario for Beatty and Missouri. But from the defense's perspective, if Tyler Beatty has gotten outside that tackle, well, then they've failed to set the edge. So if you're one of the two Florida defenders, for instance, who's on the outside of either side of the tackle box, well, what you're going to want to do in order to set the edge is make sure that you get upfield to the outside of the tackle as much as possible. Even if you literally engage with the tackle, you're going to want to have some type of leverage to that man's outside shoulder, so you then force that defender to cut back inside, away from where the play is designed to go. That's why setting the edge is so important, both from an offensive perspective and a defensive perspective, and that's why you hear the talking heads discuss it so much. And it's also why Steve Wilkes has been talking about my gap mentality a lot this week. It's because of plays like that, that example that I just gave to you in terms of setting the edge. Well, guess what? In the box score, there's nothing that says, hey, this guy set the edge 10 times in the game. There is no statistic for that. But you know what? If you set the edge, you force that running back back inside, and somebody else makes the tackle, well, you've done your job, and most importantly, you've helped your football team. What else matters? I understand that the cheerleaders might not be that impressed, but if you understand football, setting the edge is about as important as anything there is. 
So genuinely, especially when Missouri has the football, watch for the edge of the offensive line. Is Missouri able to control that area? Are they able to get Beatty to the outside? Are they able to get him past those defenders? Because if they are, Florida's probably in for a long game defensively. And once again, thanks for making Locked On Mizzou your first listen. Make your second listen, Locked On Bets, your daily one-stop shop for all your gambling needs. Locked On Bets, hosted by your boy Q with expert analysis and insight from Lee Sterling. And by the way, I'll certainly be back with a Missouri-Florida recap as soon as I can, but frankly, I'm not quite sure what my Thanksgiving schedule is going to look like next week. So you'll just have to stay tuned and we'll play it by ear. Follow me on social media anywhere at Locked on Mizzou, especially Twitter where I'm by far the most active and I'll keep you up to date there for sure. So until next time, I am John Miller and this has been Locked on Mizzou. Thank you.